Equine health is our business. Horses and education are our passion. Welcome to the EquiConnect podcast. Here, we will have case-based conversations and talk about interesting news and information with the goal of sharing knowledge focusing on equine health. This podcast is not a substitute for regular and emergency veterinary care. Our purpose is to inform and educate horse people not to diagnose and treat medical conditions without a valid veterinary client-patient relationship. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 3 of the EquiConnect Equine Podcast, brought to you by McKee Poundle Equine Services. I am Dr. Kyle Goldie. And I am Karen Fell. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you've enjoyed the last couple episodes. This is, as I said, our third one. And we're hoping to do these at least once a month, Yeah. hopefully. We really value your feedback. We've basically done these first three episodes kind of back to back to back. Leave it with you guys uh, for a while to listen, get in touch with us, give us your feedback, give us ideas for episodes. Please don't hesitate to contact us. Call any of the uh, Mickey Panel Equine Services branches. There's uh, Newmarket, Caledon, and Campbellville. Or you can email us at uh, info at mpequine.com or contact us through any of the social media outlets. That's right. We're there. Karen, why don't you tell us about today's episode? Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about some continued education that we do within the practice, and then we'll finish it up with another one of our cases. Sounds good. Karen, have you done any continuing education courses? I have myself. I've been really lucky over the years to take advantage of not only external uh, opportunities that have arisen. I'm very interested in anatomy as well as podiatry. So we've gone Mm -hmm. around with uh, some local farriers to learn how to essentially pull shoes and to try to continue our knowledge and our experience with that, as well as internally, we're able to set up different activities such as anatomy labs, having different veterinarians share their knowledge with the technicians and whatever we want to learn more about. Cool. It's no secret that one of your goals has been to improve your knowledge of anatomy. Yes, yeah. definitely. I feel like you've achieved that through continuing education? I think it's one of those things that's just going to be continual, but definitely this year I think I've personally really taken a lot of jumps ahead in terms of my understanding anatomy. So I'm very lucky to take some labs this year that have been available. Nice. Yeah, one thing I was find interesting in anatomy is comparing structures from species to species. Mm-hmm. You know, so like the equine stifle is equal to our knee. Yes. The equine knee is the equivalent to our wrist. It, yes. It's, it's pretty fascinating how, when you really think of it, horses are basically standing on their fingers. Yes, definitely. Right? And, I, <laughs> and having this more advanced understanding, I think, has really helped myself in terms of being able to really improve my job. Uh, mm-hmm. Understanding what's going on at appointments, when certain diagnoses come about, understanding the impact that it has and what we can do to really help treat this horse and to bring it back up to be the best that they can be. I think it's true for all professions where it's kind of everybody's responsibility to uh, seek continuing education, to continue improving the services that you provide, uh, improving your knowledge base, improving technique, all, all those different things. The I have to, have to say the, the technicians at, at our practice have been very ambitious in their in their 
um, continuing education. I know Diana, who many of our clients know, took an MRI course. Yes, that's right. Yep. She this year took an MRI course and has finished her course and has been doing MRIs, doing our standing MRIs that we talked about during our first episode, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's been a great accomplishment that she's done this year. Yeah, we have done. We do a lot of continuing education in-house. So I know you guys did a couple of anatomy labs. Recently, we had an in-house dentistry that's right, yeah. uh, lab where uh, we had a veterinarian who specializes in dentistry come in and teach some more advanced techniques to all the veterinarians. And that was uh, that was really, really interesting. And then we, we practiced a procedure. We did some yes. more anatomy training. We learned about different blocks. Yeah, that was, uh, that was really, really interesting. We also, this year, Dr. Andrew Dubay worked with some farriers to set up uh, the Foot for Thought series that was put on this year, which has been really great tool for the veterinarians as well as farriers to come together to collaborate and gather more information. Absolutely. That's been like a runaway success, the foot for thought. For those of you who aren't aware, Dr. Dubay is the founder of the Kaladin branch of our mm-hmm. practice. I think it's kind of started out that she wanted to learn more about podiatry, learn more about farriery, and so started to engage with the farriers to discuss that and decided to create a group to collaborate to improve the education of vets, of farriers. And also, I think the big focus is to improve the collaboration between the vets and the farriers. It's been a huge success. So there's been at least a couple of of meetings. They've both been at at a farm out to Caledon Way. I was at the last one. I couldn't believe the number of people that were there, like tons and tons of farriers, lots of vets, and everybody just trying to share ideas, everybody really with the goal of of improving their knowledge and and ultimately with the goal of of trying to improve our care of horses. So we focused on, for example, the last one we had was focusing on suspensory injuries and how we can shoe horses for suspensory injuries. And it was just fascinating to hear um, how the shoe can be modified to change the, the, the characteristics of how the, how the limb lands and in relation to how that affects the suspensory and therefore suspensory healing. So really, really fascinating. And it's just, it's so encouraging to see all the veterinarians. And I should say that they're not all veterinarians from Mickey Pownell. That's it's right. Veterinarian veterinarians from from all over Ontario um, we really do try to have a, a good collegial attitude we, we really do try to work together and, and but same too with the farriers like all the, the turnout has been uh, tremendous so so that's been really really interesting and I think we're all learning a lot and then in between the uh, the different meetings that have happened that there's also a really good Facebook group that that's uh, right yes it's very it's, active I think it's a private group but for the vets and farriers it's been been really good so We'll share cases and, and talk about how different people would approach a different case. and Yeah, and just so. having a nice open environment to ask questions on both sides, veterinarian as well as farrier. And, yeah, absolutely. And been really, really interesting. Some of the other good continuing education that we've had, it comes from the actual uh, pharmaceutical companies. They seem to do a, a pretty good job. Oftentimes, there's, there is a product to sell, no, no doubt, but they usually try to keep it fairly objective, and, and they tend to be really good sponsors for some of the, the larger conferences, but also 
for client info nights. So I, I've put on a couple client info nights before, and the, the pharmaceutical companies have been very generous in, in helping us to put those on. So I've done some continuing education since I graduated. I went to the American Association of Equine Practitioners, uh, the AAP conference, back a few years ago, and it's a, it's a fantastic thing. It's the biggest trade show I've ever seen, and a massive conference. It's in a different city in the United States every uh, December, early December, and we just learn so much stuff. And there's an excellent book that we get at the end of it that basically summarizes all of the different talks that happen. That's been a really, really good resource for a lot of veterinarians. And it's it's interesting just to get that many veterinarians together because there's a lot of interesting uh, discussion groups. And I did a really good continuing education course in Chicago this past fall to improve my ultrasound technique. That's so right, it's, yeah. a, a, you know, getting back to goals. That was something that I really wanted to work on was becoming more proficient with the ultrasound and, and learning to diagnose areas in different parts of the body. Ultrasounds, it's kind of interesting. It's it's challenging for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's challenging to get a good image. And second of all, it's challenging to be able to interpret that image. That's right. Um, X-ray, I find it's it's pretty easy to get a good image. But ultrasound, there, there really is an art to it. So I, I really wanted to improve that. Our company provides a, a generous budget for us to uh, choose continuing education opportunities. And, and yeah, I, I took advantage of that and, and, and learned a lot. It was kind of cool to go to Chicago. I yeah. didn't actually see the city at all. But, but you were there. Just, oh, I was there. I was there. I had a couple of good meals and it was great. Other continuing education things we see people doing. We have veterinarians uh, at our other practices doing some, some interesting courses uh, right now too. We have some that are doing the spinal manipulation course, which is pretty chiropractic, cool. Chiropractic, yeah. Basically like chiropractic, but yeah, we call it spinal manipulation. So we have a couple veterinarians that are doing that uh, in their uh, extracurricular activities. Uh, we have another veterinarian that is doing the acupuncture course. We have another veterinarian that is doing the embryo transfer course, which is uh, kind of right. cool. So really, essentially what we're trying to do is just be able to offer as many services to our clients as possible and uh, and try to have veterinarians who are as educated as they as they possibly can be so other courses that people will go for uh, advanced lameness techniques there's some fantastic labs out there but it's very very important for us to participate in continuing education so that we can continue to deliver high caliber of medicine practice evidence-based medicine sometimes it's interesting when you when you realize a technique that you've been doing has been proven to no longer be the accepted technique, you know, so so the approach to different cases can change over time. I've seen that too. So yeah, running really well-rounded care. That's the goal. I guess it's time to talk about a case. This case was kind of interesting. I, I thought it's a, it's a story I've told to people many times. This was a racing quarter horse mare. Oh, we should name her. What's her name? Her name's going to be Honey. Okay. Delicious. <laughs> let's call her Honey. Okay, so Honey is a, let's say, a four-year-old racing quarter horse mare. Mm-hmm. She had a history of regular dentistry, regular musculoskeletal exams, all the normal racehorse things. One thing they noticed was she had kind of a smell. Like, right? where is the smell coming from? The smell was coming from her face. Yeah. And we'd, we'd seen her a couple times before. She'd seen the regular dentist a few times. The, there were no teeth issues. The one nostril seemed to have an odor. And then 
every once in a while, that nostril would start to have some discharge, mucoid discharge. Okay, so um, not like blood. Just not like blood. A mucus. No, no, there was never any blood, but this this discharge. It was like a thick mucus, and that mucus smelled terrible. Like, oh. and I mean, it, the whole the whole barn would smell. And yet, this horse was still racing, still training. You know, she she gave her all. And anyway, so I I noticed a couple of things. If you if you tapped, I've, I've done this a few times before in these in these situations where you can tap on their their face in different places. Right, okay? you're essentially knocking. Yeah, with basically your fist. knocking with your fist on on their head gently. You know, we're not trying to hurt, but we're just kind of listening for the uh, the acoustic resonance. And I remember thinking it was a hollow sound. Okay. Near the left eye, but it was it was a deeper sound near the right eye. Kind of interesting, and so that would imply that there's more air on the one side, right? If it's if it's a hollower sound, you'd think it was more air, whereas if it's a right. more dense sound, there's probably something solid or liquid in there, right? Right. So anyway, it was it was kind of interesting that in that respect. What this really comes down to is sinusitis. I, I don't know if many of our clients have, have dealt with this before, but often when we're dealing with a a horse that has unilateral, so meaning a single nostril right. with a mucoid discharge or an odor. Generally, it means that we're dealing with a sinusitis, which is a $5 word for a sinus infection. Okay. What can cause this? Most of the time, and I kind of hinted at it before, most of the time there's a, there's a dental issue. So uh, a good number of the upper cheek teeth okay. communicate with the, the sinus. Uh, the sinuses, and uh, it gets into some kind of confusing anatomy, but just suffice it to say, there's a communication between the upper cheek teeth and and the sinuses. And so let's say, for example, you had a cracked tooth, then theoretically, there would be a channel, right, that debris could get packed in, in the area that's left behind after Mm -hmm. the crack has, uh, after the the chipped tooth has parted away from the, uh, from the tooth. And so you can start to get infection traveling up the, the tooth and into the root area here. Okay? Right, from like bacteria. Bacteria. And, and But most of the time, um, these, these cracked teeth get packed with all kinds of stuff. You know, like there'll be feed material and they can be kind of bloody and really, really nasty. And they smell terrible. And so so oftentimes what happens is we, we get these uh, tooth root abscesses where the, the, the root itself gets infected. And uh, as the bone that surrounds that tooth root also becomes infected, it starts to kind of get eaten away to the point that it starts to communicate directly with the sinus. And that causes the discharge out the nostril. Exactly, exactly. And you'll often see a swelling on the face as well. On the and, cheek, and, yeah, or, or or just just uh, to to one side of the nasal septum, yeah. so like the center, just off to the side, of just the off center. to one side of the center of the of, of the face. And you'll often see um, a a, har- a firm swelling. Some, I've even seen some cases where those open up, so you end up with abscess draining from from there, and it can be pretty nasty. So that is a very common cause of sinusitis. So basically, you have some sort of tooth gets infected, the infection gets into the root of the tooth, that starts to degrade the bone that supports that root, then you get a communication with the sinus, and then you get discharge and odor coming from the, the, the nostril, basically, as it communicates with the uh, with the sinus. Oftentimes, at appointments, if there's such a scenario, mm-hmm. often you'll take the x-ray 
So is that to take an x-ray to see if there's debris and the irritation of the bone going up through the sinus? Exactly, exactly. Okay. It can be quite challenging to interpret the, the skull radiographs that we take because there's a lot of bones that are all converging and superimposing on top of one another. But yes, we usually start with, with x-rays in these situations, and that's what we did with Honey. We did some x-rays. We couldn't really see anything in this particular case. So usually what we're looking at on the x-rays is the tooth roots. Okay. okay. We want to make sure that all those tooth roots are okay. Dental disease tends to cause a lot of cases of sinusitis. So we'll look at these, um, the, the tooth roots on that side. Usually it's about the third tooth back. We call that the eight um, or the nine that get infected. And we can see that on the x-ray and then we can kind of come up with a treatment plan. Sometimes that might mean we need to uh, remove that tooth. Sometimes just a, a course of prolonged antibiotics can, can help get things under control. Often what we'll try is, is, a, is some prolonged antibiotics, maybe a two to four weeks, something like that, mm -hmm. of, of antibiotics with um, usually what we'll do is we'll, we'll float that tooth, okay, and try to try to um, take the, the pressure off of that tooth to just try to make, make that tooth as happy as possible because if there's another tooth that's really pushing on it, um, it can cause further irritation and everything like that. So usually we call it taking the tooth out of occlusion. Okay. And we make it so that it's not in touch with the opposing tooth. I okay, see. the grinding surface. So that's one technique. We could consider that kind of conservative therapy. And we generally don't like to take teeth out of horses when we don't have to. We'll usually start with conservative therapy. Antibiotics, taking that tooth out of occlusion and seeing if we can if it'll just heal on its own. And they do. It it happens sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't, and the tooth has to be removed. There's another example of continuing education. Dr. Markey over at the Campbellville practice has recently taken the course on uh, dental extraction. So mm -hmm. she's all prepared to do that now, which is a, another great service to be able to, to provide. Some cases can be dealt with on farm, mm -hmm. uh, dental extraction. Some of them are um, quite advanced, uh, particularly ones where there's no movement in the tooth. And, and so some of them need to be referred to, um, to a surgeon. There's a, there's some more advanced uh, procedures that can be done under general anesthesia to, to remove those affected teeth. That's the dental, um, uh, cause of sinusitis. Now, just before you move on, uh, you mentioned that this commonly happens in the third tooth bath, the eight or the nine. Why is that common? Well, in particular, the nine, the nine is the oldest tooth in the mouth. Okay, so um, just being older, I think it's more prone to infection. Okay. It seems to get worn faster than other teeth, so I think that's a part of it. Okay. Often horses that have like a wave mouth, you sometimes see that where um, the, the dental arcade in, in most cases is going to be a fairly flat um, mm -hmm. surface. Some horses end up with a really undulating surface there, and I think what can happen, and, and usually that wave has a point around that nine mm -hmm. as well, so I think what can happen is a lot of abnormal forces on those teeth in that area, and then you start getting fractures and things okay. like that. So it really does speak to the importance of annual dental assessments, to annual floating, to try to just keep things balanced well and everything like that, because you can see some pretty terrible mouths when they haven't seen a veterinarian for a dental procedure or a dental assessment uh, for their whole life, and then they're 20 years old, and their mouths can just be a, a real disaster. Really bad. It's, it's yeah. amazing how much longevity horses can get out of their teeth when they're maintained properly. I find okay. lots of horses will be fine, no doubt about it, in, in particular some breeds like Arabs, for example. I, I find <laughs> they generally have really good mouths. They usually have really good feet, too. You know, they're just like 
good solid feet, but the horses really should have their teeth looked at from a, like annually, just to, just to make sure that that everything is balanced. Because if it's not, there's lots of opportunity to correct those imbalances before they become big Larger. issues. Okay. You start getting these overgrown teeth that are putting too much pressure on opposing teeth, and then those opposing teeth are cracking and fracturing, and can, it can really turn into a mess quickly. So anyway, that's a bit of a, a sidetrack. That kind of discusses the dental reasons why you might get sinusitis. Another really cool diagnostic tool that we can use for sinusitis cases, actually there's a couple, so we already mentioned x-rays, radiology, Mm -hmm. there's endoscopy. So what we can do is uh, put a a scope up the nostril and explore the sinuses that way. Sometimes there's a lesion there that can be found and, 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 and we can address those because it's not uncommon to have a sinusitis case and normal x-rays. Oh, okay. Right? So if you want to pursue further diagnostics, uh, the endoscopy can be kind of interesting. And then recently, we have access to a standing CT scan, which would be really, really cool. I haven't had an opportunity to uh, to refer a horse for that yet. We say standing because Ontario Veterinary College and other clinics have had a CT scan before. They'll require general anesthesia, and horses aren't the greatest candidates for general anesthesia. There's always risk for recovery. And the fact that, so just as we have a standing MRI where the horse it can can receive an MRI exam just under sedation at Ontario Veterinary College, they're now able to do a standing CT scan. And uh, very, very cool technology. Mainly, so when we talked about the MRI, its main strength is looking at soft tissue lesions. The, the main strength of CT is looking at bone lesions oh, and, cool. uh, and cavities. And it, it can give you a really, CT is basically like a three-dimensional x-ray and it's computerized. You can scan through it and basically forms like a 3D model that you can look through. Absolutely fascinating. That's another piece of diagnostic technology that we have access to now that would be really, really interesting for for cases like yeah, that. we should get back to our our case. Yeah, of, our uh, honey, uh, honey. Whatever happened to honey? Yeah, honey. We decided needed we needed to get to the bottom of this because it it just kept occurring. She'd been on antibiotics several times for prolonged periods. Her dentist had assessed everything, couldn't find anything wrong. We'd done X-rays, couldn't find anything wrong there. At the time, we didn't have access to the standing CT. The only other diagnostic tool that we had access to at that time was endoscopy. I had an endoscope, but it was too large a diameter mm. to to scope the sinuses appropriately. We usually use a fairly small diameter endoscope. I'd set up an appointment for Honey to be referred for endoscopy so that we could really get to the bottom of this case. Sorry, just a question before mm-hmm. you go on with the yeah. endoscope. Did did Honey have any reaction would it, like to the antibiotics that she was on previously? That's a good question. Let's say, I'm making this up, but I've seen many cases of sinusitis that do exactly this. So let's say it did. So she got better for a while, and then it would just come back. And it was a recurring sinusitis. And that seems to be the case. Okay. Every once in a while, you'll get one that was really, really bad for a long time, and then all of a sudden, it's just gone, and you never think about it again. Never comes back. But we do see these ones where they've had multiple prolonged courses of antibiotics, and it just, it it helps them in the short term, but long term, it it keeps recurring. Okay. And this is a high-performing racehorse. We really wanted to get to the bottom of it. So we decided, okay, we're going to send her for an endoscopy. But 
we decided we wanted her to have one more race before we did the endoscopy because we thought based on the endoscopy, she might need surgery. She might need who knows what. So we'll get one more race under her belt yep. and then she can go for this procedure. So I happened to be at the racetrack that day and I watched her race and she was always a good horse. I can't remember where, where she finished. I, she might've won. She, she did well. And I really liked this horse. So I was walking with her groom on the back stretch, just chit-chatting. And I was patting her and because she was such a good girl. I really liked honey. And all of a sudden, she snorted. Really, really powerful snort. Aiming her nostrils at the ground. And out came this wad of tan green colored wad. Probably about five centimeters long and two centimeters in diameter. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. And I picked it up and it smelled terrible. <laughs> and I looked in the very middle of it. I decided to start pulling it apart because inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, the very center. What anyone would have done. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't think I had gloves on her. The very center of it, I found an oat hull. Oh. And that's all it was. So she had at least a year of these symptoms trying to get to the bottom of this. And ultimately what happened... She was eating too aggressively and literally Snorting. inhaled her food, and and that's what happened. After that, she never had sinusitis again. Wow. <laughs> it, I have always thought it was kind of a funny story. I, I've not seen a single case that resolved like that since, but it was pretty cool. Honey definitely has a good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's it's just nice when... Uh, when when things have a good outcome and you didn't have to have surgery. The, the surgery can be really, really interesting, but it's quite invasive. It often involves um, a, a drilling of a portal into the uh, into the sinus so that it can be flushed on a regular basis. It's very successful, works great, but fortunately, Honey uh, fixed her sinusitis on her own and, uh, and, and carried on. So that's our sinusitis case. I hope everybody learned something. If you have questions or maybe you think out there you've got a horse that might have these signs, feel free to discuss them with your veterinarian or send us some feedback, send us some questions. We'd love to hear from you and, uh, and answer your questions and get as much feedback as we can because we, we really want to help educate people. We really want to connect with all of our listeners out there. So thanks very much for listening. Thank you.